My name is Jimmy, sometimes Jimmy J, and sometimes Shay. This is a podcast about human relationships, human potential, and that curious space between the dark and the light. So, hello, good afternoon, good evening, actually it is. It's um, a bit later into the afternoon, evening I'm recording. Uh, I'll get back to why that is in a minute. Um, but first, before I go anywhere, hello and welcome to episode 76 of the Twilight Conversations. Episode 76. 76. I don't know why I always feel the need to repeat it, but I just do. You get into these habits. So it's episode 76 of the Twilight Conversations. Um, but first off, uh, another great loss in the art world, the music world, the, the wonderful Shane McGowan. R.I.P. We lost him recently. He's a rough diamond, if there was ever a rough diamond. You know, I'm just thinking even back to the 80s when he was before the Pogues. Uh, became the Pogues, they were Pogue Mahone, and then he had to change the name. They were like Celtic punk, weren't they? They created that. So, great musicians, the band and that. But anyway, look, um, I was actually surprised he'd lasted this long because he always looked like he was just about to die at times, didn't he, you know? Uh, I think he's about two years older than myself. Um, but uh, it was enjoyable to watch the late late the other night and to see Glenn and a few of them uh, pay, paying tribute to him and the relationship. And they weren't pretending he was great. He could be a bollocks like everybody, you know, which was was lovely. They weren't just doing that like, oh, wasn't he great? Or wasn't she great? Uh, they were real about it, you know. Um, so yeah, he had that kind of complex paradox where you could be quite intimidating but such a gentle soul underneath it you know once you kind of got him you're fine and that's a lot of people isn't it so just to say uh shane would have been a, such a poet a wonderful songwriter gentle creative gorgeous lyrics you know uh, i've been going through i mean he wouldn't be one of my favorites but i've always respected him and the pogues for what they brought to the music world but I, I respect him because of the, obviously the Irish connection. He had the English-Irish connection as well. The whole London-Irish piece, um, all of that. And knowing a little bit about some of that stuff, how that might have been for him. Um, but going through some of his songs and realising just the sheer beauty of his, his lyrics. And of course, Fairy Tale in New York. I know it's such a cliche Christmas song, but what wonderful lyrics. What a beautiful love song. Um, so, you know, a genius without a shadow of a doubt, an absolute genius. I know that word is thrown around, but uh, yeah, so rest in peace. Maybe he's up there with all his heroes, maybe he's with Sinead, they're having a drink or a laugh or whatever they're doing. Anyway, but just to think of him and his loved ones and friends right now. And I hope his, his music, of course, will live on. You'll probably, as often happens, when someone passes away, you get to know their music or their art much better and kind of go, wow, he or she was amazing. That's happened with Sinead O'Connor, I think. People kind of knew her, but then they really got into her then and started to realise how, again, what a wonderful artist she is, was. And it'll be the same with um, Shane McGowan. Because I think a lot of people got, uh, I don't even know if put off is the term, but his kind of rough exterior and he always had the teeth, do you remember? And the kind of, he always looked as if he was drunk and maybe he was and whatever, you know, that kind of look. It, it could certainly uh, deceive you that here was a very sensitive, gentle, creative soul with a wonderful uh, eye on human relationships and, and the whole mystery of living, you know. Rest in peace, Shane McGowan. 
Okay, so uh, today's episode is a follow-on and it's celebrating the feminine, celebrating the woman. And again, I know they're interchangeable terms, they're similar but they're different. And it will inter interject, inter, inter something, <laughs> it, will, it will do some entering um, with also what it what it means to be a man but the emphasis is more on a woman and of course i'll cross-reference occasionally because they will influence each other but really just to celebrate the feminine the woman you know and um this my kitchen dance song today as i was making my tea was fat boy slim um praise you it's an old gospel type song but the you know fat boy slim norman cook did a wonderful remix on it 1988 from the album you've come a long way baby you know you know the song we've come a long long way together through the hard times of the good it's great to dance to great to move to so i'm dedicating that song to the mothers the sisters the aunties the nieces the friends the lovers the wives the wannabe lovers the whoever just the spinsters the the female energy just to dedicate that song to you I've got to praise you. Um, and I'm hoping, well, I'm dedicating the whole episode to, to women, really. Uh, and again, this is just from my perspective, from my own experiences, which I've touched on, from observations, from what I hear other people saying, and all that stuff. You know, you may, it's not even a disagreeing thing, because it's not really a debate. You may see things differently, and that's fine. But look, if it gets you thinking about it, and wondering about it, you know, but I just think we, you know, I certainly want to, celebrate and praise the women the female energy the female spirit whatever shape or form that comes in um even within the male and vice versa you know but i just really want to look at the woman in and of herself uh, in this world okay so fat boy slim praise you Actually, the video to that used to be great, didn't it? That guy out in the street dancing. And I loved that he hadn't really got great rhythm around. And I love that, you know, just people just dancing whatever way they want to. Just that freedom. So let's uh, let's have our own international, let's have a um, International Women's Day, uh, Twilight Conversations, National Women's Day, or podcast, if you like. Um, okay. So here goes. Off we go. So I really want to, you know, um, explore really what feminine nature is and again apart from i was trying to say this about the male energy apart from the obvious anatomical differences um and i'm sure the other way around or if if if, if you're a woman and you're heterosexual you probably think the male form looks better i think the female form looks better of course because i do i generally do uh it just looks better it's more core i don't know what it is it's better looking ours is a bit like pfft. But anyway, that's uh, an interesting one. But I really want to, that's an important part of who we are as well, but I really want to get underneath that, lift up the bonnet, as they say, go underneath. What's going on, really? What is it? What is it that makes, you know, uh, a woman a woman? You know, I'm just thinking back to as far back as I remember encountering girls in, in class, in school as a kid or on the street and being kind of really, like, quite taken by this different species you know whatever they were i do they were different they kind of smell different and i don't mean perfume because they'd have been probably too young i'm talking about kind of pheromones that natural and that's part of the energy and 
just the way they moved and the way they talked and the way they, you know, uh, and I was always really, like most men or boys, fascinated by, by girls, you know. Um, even, you know, apart from getting to an age where I was starting to fancy women and all that, you know, whatever age that was, but just, just about the differences. And of course, I had a mother and sisters, so I was connected to women very much and, and a very, uh, as you know, Betty Blue, uh, an, an abandoned, very much isolated on her own woman. Uh, and at that time, none of our family were nearby, you know. Uh, there were train, you know, hours away on the train back then, and it was quite isolating space for, and has been for quite a while. Uh, but just even my impressions of women then, you know, learning from watching horror, being around horror, and uh, all of that. Anyway, there's lots to this. You could probably do 10 podcasts on 100 on what it means to women because the funny thing is, and I've said this as friends, me and other mates talk about it, but in the therapy room, guys will kind of say, Jimmy, you know, I don't know why they think I know because I'm, 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 you work with a lot of women. Why, why did he, well, I don't fucking understand them. And I'm saying, I don't fucking understand them either. <gasps> do you know? But I could be a bit objective when I'm not, you know, I don't understand sometimes when I'm connected to and things, communication goes a bit awry. Sometimes I'm a bit like, well, I thought that meant that, but it meant that, uh, as, as I've often said. But that's part of the mystery and the wonder of it all, isn't it? You know, um, which, you know, as I've said, equality is huge, but equality doesn't mean we're the same. It means we're different. But what the equal piece is, as in rights, as in uh, power, that's what I'm, I'm interested in that but I think the mistake would be to think that we oh we, but we're not different it was confusing you know we're how can we be equal but equal by its nature implies difference you know we're equal in our difference and to respect that difference the yin the yang all of that jazz okay so why I'm a bit later recording I was being an avid football fan and being a passionate Liverpool fan I was listening to the audio of the Liverpool match because it wasn't on. I have Sky Sports, I have Access Sports, all the usual, but you have to have a dodgy box because sometimes the, the main channels won't show it. And I haven't, so I, I listened to it and it was quite a thrilling match with Liverpool won 4-3 and so the adrenaline's still pumping and my throat's sore. It was sore anyway. It's sore from screaming. At water, who I don't know. Um, but yeah. They'd be Fulham, Fulham actually, fair play to them. They were kind of, inverted commas, the underdogs. Uh, but Liverpool made hard work of it, but, you know, uh, went out in the end. And kind of real drama, Roy of the Rover stuff, extra time, bang. Trent Alexander, Arnold, Liverpool lad, bangs in. He's already scored a brilliant free kick. He bangs in another goal. Apparently all the goals are worldies, you know, so I can't wait to, yeah, that's what I wanted to say. The joy of between now and watching Match of the Day, I have 10. That iconic tune. Knowing your team has won and you're in for a treat to watch some good goals and watching all the other matches and listen to the commentary. Love that. Uh, also, uh, Red Sir, just to give you a little update, was chatting to her just before I come up, well, texting and voice noting. Um, Again, not out of the woods yet. A scan to go and a couple of meetings with oncologists to go. When more information's in, you will you will know. Um, but she's doing relatively okay, all considering. Uh, but she's a big snooker fan. Um, 
Um, and I love watching the snooker as well. I think she likes it a bit more. I love watching it. Uh, I like the calmness of it. I like the green table. I love the, you know, he won't like that. It's just, behind, you know, I love the way the, the commentary is very relaxing, isn't it? The kind of, uh, and the skill of the game is extraordinary. It's a wonderful game to watch. Very relaxing. So the final between um, Ronnie O'Sullivan, the rocker, and something ding, the Chinese guy. Uh, I think they're 4-4. That's at 7 tonight. So hopefully I might get in that as well. Um, but anyway, Reds are hanging in there. Um, takes a lot to put that woman down, I can tell you. A uh, little bit of cancer? Fuck off. You know, do you know what I mean? <laughs> She'd be listening kind of going, a little bit of cancer? Fuck off, Jimmy, will you? Um, do you know what I mean? Anyway, that's just a little update. So she's always with us and in contact and, uh, you know, part of what's going on, if you like. Um, and still working as a therapist, but not, not as much, obviously, off, I think, the last week or two, doing some online work, which has the energy she can go in. So our, our clients are very much missing out, um, but they're getting the best they can out of her with the whatever energy she has. Okay. So feminine nature, you know, the, the very mysterious piece of what what defines a woman you know i was also talking about a good man is there a, a a good woman i don't know if there's a bad woman i think human beings we can behave badly we can let down our gender by our behavior so i don't know if there's an, uh, uh, essentially a bad woman or a bad man i think as human beings we can behave badly i think i'll go with that you know um so I mean, like many people through the 70s and 80s, my understanding of women's lib, that was big in the 70s, and, and feminism, it, it, it just, I don't know whether it, was the, it wasn't marketed well, it wasn't, you know, whatever way, and, and we got these stereotypes, these men-hating, fucking angry women all the time, you know, it made me feel really uncomfortable. But of course, that doesn't represent what real feminism, feminism is really about. And, you know, it's, let's keep it simple at one level. It's to advocate for women's rights on the basis of equality of the sexes, you know. So inclusion of women in all aspects of life and society. This is the equality piece, right? The arts, media, politics, sports, the legal system, um, equal rights and opportunities. That's really what it'll keep it that simple for now. And we know that hasn't been there and still isn't quite there. But, um, as a result of the struggle and heroism uh, and courage and effort and sweat of many, many women over the years, that's so much more, the, the, that's a much richer looking complexion now than it used to be, you know. But uh, I think that's going to be an ongoing piece, you know. Um, because actually, dare I say, if you actually stand back, there's no reason at all why women shouldn't get equal pay equal opportunity equal everything you know there's probably a couple of things that they, a woman literally anatomically can do that a man can and vice versa but that's a whole different ball game now, the reason that the the power imbalance is there is just a it's, it's a construct it's got nothing to do with anything real it's just tradition and you know misogyny thrown in and and, and all of that jazz so 
that's probably another podcast. I don't know if I'm best uh, to do that one on the on the history of the oppression of women and feminism. Uh, but you know, this episode isn't really about that. But we have to acknowledge that to uh, to really celebrate the feminine, to celebrate the woman, because she. I'm using that collectively. Is the result of all of that struggle? Is the result of all of that oppression and oppressed they have been? Make no mistake about it. You know, um, you know, so, oh, well, it's not natural for women to be. Fuck off! Will you? you know, if a woman really genuinely wants to be, do you know what? I like being a mom and I like staying at home and I like washing, cooking, and cleaning. If a human being wants to do that and they really happy days, no problem. So it's not about that. It's not about changing. You know flipping the roles around around like that. It's about being a man, being a woman, but giving each other much more freedom, being a bit more creative, being a bit more inclusive, being having more fun with it, basically, you know. Uh but it's it's a it's a fascinating thing, the 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 level of oppression that women have experienced, I think since time began. I mean, I know there's there was ancient cultures where women were Top cats or top dogs, however you want to put it. Um, I don't know enough. I'm not, you know, historically well read enough to know what did they, if women were in more powerful positions, did they oppress men? I'm not sure they did. You see, that's the thing. I don't think they would feel the need to do that. If you're boss, you know your boss. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Uh, and you could be a different kind of a boss. I don't know. I'm probably talking out of my arse now. Anyway, let me get back to my, uh, to the, the main purpose of this is to celebrate the feminine the mysterious, beautiful, wonderful feminine energy, what it means to be a woman. Um, and again, I'm obviously speaking from a male perspective. Um, yeah, what is female energy? So kind of let's continue to celebrate love and praise women, you know. As I said, the whole smell, the mystery, the kind of imperceptible quality that that told you they're the presence of another human being similar, but at some very powerful level, wonderfully different, you know, because I don't want us to be the same in that way, you know, that we're all kind of clones and sheep. I want women to have equal rights and opportunities, but to be completely sexy women, you know, just in their own way, because that's what makes them wonderful in my eyes, and, and I think most men would agree, you know. They just excite us and they're good to be around and, you know. It, being in a woman's energy feels different to being in a male energy and I, and I love them both. Now, of course, we can break down the certain personalities, whether they're male or female. I ain't too hot on being around. You think you know that, so we don't need to go into that right now. That's not a gender thing. Um, you know, people that are sucking the energy out of, you know, all the usual, the kind of, Dark Tetrad folk or the gameplay, all them. No, off you go away, fuck off, even out this podcast. <laughs> you know, there's enough time and space on the planet you can all fight it out yourselves. I'm going to come back to that's interesting, episode 76, 1976, right? And I think 1978 as well. And there were two black female soul artists that were way ahead of their time. The first one is Candy Stanton. And she had an enormous hit back in 1976 with Young Hearts Run Free. 
And a little call out here for Glenn, Glenn Hansard's mom, Catherine. Um, the late, the wonderful, the heroic, the brilliant, the lovable Catherine Hansard. Because I know she loved this song. And I would have been more near Catherine's age than I would have been Glenn's age, which is funny, old, you know. So she would have remembered it like I remembered it uh, from that era. And I know she loved it. And Glenn does the most gorgeous version of it on acoustic you know, if I get him in the humor, I get him to play it for me. It's just, it's really, I think he played a, uh, the gig, the first gig he did after Catherine died. He played it. I think he did. It was lovely. It was really lovely. I particularly liked it because I know the song. Anyway, lyrically uh, in the writing, given what she was singing about, while it was just a great song, right? Very easy on the ear. You know, young hearts run free. You probably know the song. Um, it was very progressive, very uh, thought-provoking underneath it when, when you actually listen to it. So she says, what's the sense in sharing this one and only life, ending up just another sad and lonely wife? You count up the years and they will be filled with tears. Okay. Love only breaks up to start over again. You'll get the baby, but you won't get your man while he's busy loving every woman that he can. Fair enough, you know, we, we, we would get that, but if you actually go into what she's saying there, there's, there's great depth in that, right? It's kind of something we assume, but she's kind of saying, well, well, hang on, let's look at this. How does that happen, you know? She says, say I'm going to leave a hundred times a day. It's easier said than done, but I just can't break away. No, I just can't break away. Young hearts run free, never be hung up, hung up like my man and me. Young hearts, to yourself be true. Don't be no fool when love really don't love you. Okay. I thought it's a very courageous lyrics at the time because most songs chart-wise around the time or even since then are very compliant with this, the system. She's rocking that system. She's kind of going, no, let's have a look at this. It's not an aggressive song. It's a beautiful song. It's not an anti-man song. She loves her man. But she's kind of going... This isn't quite kind of right, is it? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Women, let's all look at this, right? And there's a great, great line. My mind must be free to learn all I can about me. You know, so she's even thinking in terms of, you know, women, what are they thinking of education for? Of learning about things, her mind being free, having a mind that her life isn't just about being with a guy and having babies. That's beautiful if she wants to do that, you know. She's not against that, you know. So it kind of it carries a profound message for both men and women that goes beyond, you know, not being fooled and exploited in relationships. She's not just kind of like, oh, don't let man fuck you over. That's not what this song is about at all. It's a very liberating song. It's a very pro-men song also. It's asking men to look at this. And I have very fond memories. 1976, I was 15. And when that song came out, and being in the local community dance hall space that we all looked forward to, you know what I mean? Saved up whatever money we worked for or stole or whatever way came to buy whatever chemicals you could buy. Uh, not everybody did that. I know I did that and a couple of other people I knew that, but lots of people just enjoyed it. It was like, you know, so one chance you kind of got to dress up and fucking, it was cheap to get in and, and you could maybe get with someone, you know, and do all that type of stuff. But this song, here's what I loved about this, right? And it seemed to happen spontaneously. So 
the majority of the age group there would have been 14, 15, 16, 18 at the most, I think, that that age group. But as soon as that song came on, you hear it all the women, a bit like Dancing Queen by Abba before, they would scream, there's their song, and they'd all jump up together, right? They weren't interested in the blokes, and they would dance to it, and they did these lovely dance routines that I just loved watching, you know? And I knew there was something that I couldn't put my finger on what it was. What is it about this song, you know? Um, and they loved it. You could see them and you, they were all, that's my song. Jacinta, that's their song, you know? And they were like, and yeah, a little bit of it was like, fuck you guys in a way, but in a nice way. But they were more, they just loved it. And I loved watching that. And I'm sure everybody did. And, uh, it's a nice song to dance to and stuff. But it's only over the years, I mean, what, what was that, 40, 50 years ago, I'm really seeing how brilliant that song was as well, lyrically, uh, uh, its message, you know. Brilliantly, brilliantly, great voice, Candy Stanton, great tune. I mean, if you're not into any of that, it's just a lovely tune, you know. Uh, great lyrics, but like, so I'm sure those women, maybe they were completely tuned into that, but they sensed something about that. You could tell by the way they just moved differently to it. They had a certain pride or a certain, you know, and it wasn't a, it was a bit too fast to get up with a girl and do a slow dance but you never saw fellas and girls dancing together on that one that was the girls one up they went dare you and you know and it was it was lovely it was brilliant the same I will survive couple I'll come back to that one um because that's got relevance to Betty Blue so I suppose what I'm saying is there was there was and is something in that song to me that captures the depth the beauty the suffering the kind of uh curiosity the possibility the of the female soul dare i say dare i use that term you know and i think i've always was and i'm fascinated by the female soul i know soul is a bit of an elusive term isn't it what does that even mean it's the mind but more than the mind it's the body but more than the body it's an energy but it's the whole thing isn't it it's just the the essence of somebody that kind of like you know a woman's soul you know that whether or not as a, a young fleur or a teenager or an adult i found a woman sexually attractive or not i loved the woman's soul that feeling you know unless she was behaving like a bit of a bitch you know but then that but that's got nothing to do with being a woman that's just bad behavior right so let's be clear about that mm. I loved being in the company of women. That's why I think when I was a teenager, they would say, are you sure you're not gay? You don't act gay now. <laughs> For some weird reason, guys get really fucked up if you think they're gay because I'm not fucking cap. But because I enjoy women's company. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, I, I wasn't. There's nothing wrong with I was. But, um, and maybe I don't know where that's partly why gay men would enjoy women's company. Women enjoy gay men's company because it's that appreciation, that love. Yeah, I know I argued with women. Don't I'm not coming across as someone that always. I didn't always get on, but I was. I just loved the company. I was fascinated by. I used to love listening to them talking. Whether that was girls my own age, I listened to Betty Blue and her friends chatting, gossiping at the window, her and Essie. Look at your woman, Betty. Look, look at her now. <laughs> I'd love that and they'd be smoking the other way you'd be listening on the adults conversation uh, so there was all those types of things you know I just as we all do apart from the obvious there was something intrinsically different about the way women were and the way men were 
other than the men off out working. You know, that, that obvious piece that I spoke about. So, as I said, two years later, in 1978, well, it was 1978, Gloria Gaynor comes out with I Will Survive. So I'm 16 then. And it had the very same effect. First that, you know, when you hear, first I was afraid, all those screams and the girls jumped up, or the young women. That's my song, Jacinta. That's my song. They'd go mad and they loved it. And it was, it was, they just took over them. And I didn't quite understand it then, but I have done later what that actually meant, you know. And Betty Blue also considers that our song, as many other women do. And, and, and the, the line, I should have changed that stupid lock. You know, I should have took back my key. If I'd have known for just one second, you'd be back to bother me. Go on now, go, go walk out that door. Bet you often remember back in the, in the day you used to go, oh, that's my line now, you know. Um, and I wish she had met someone else, but it, you know, maybe it wasn't too acceptable back in, in the 70s, 80s. She was an attractive woman, very attractive woman, loads to offer. Um, but yeah, maybe she was just dedicated to us, you know, I don't know. But she really identifies with that, as do many, you know. First, I was afraid, I was petrified, just thinking I could never live without you by my side. How did that happen? How did it happen that you, you'll seldom get a man singing that? Will a man feel that? Possibly, but it's just a different energy, isn't it? How did that happen? How was that kind of power imbalance there, you know? Yeah. Weren't you the one who tried to hurt me with your good goodbye? Did you think I'd crumble? This is where the kind of then the power comes in, isn't it? Did you think I'd lay down and die? Oh, no, not I. I will survive. For as long as I know how to love, I know I'll stay alive. I've got all my love to live. My life to live. I've got all my love to give. I will survive. I will survive. Hey, hey. Right. And Gloria Gaynor sings it brilliantly. And it's, it's an anthem now, isn't it? Like Young Hearts. Um, it's, it's it's just an anthem for, for uh, and I'm sure men can identify with it in different ways. I've often listened to that and kind of go, yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Slightly different energy, you know, uh, kind of thing. But there's a, a, a beautiful empowerment in that song. That's what it is. It's an empowerment. It's kind of like, but without having to become like the oppressors. That's what I love about it. So to, to, meet the other we don't have to become like them so it's like you know i will survive i've got i have all my love to live i have all my life to live and love to give and so on so on so on you know yeah and those two women are still alive i think gloria Gaynor and candy Stanton in their 80s create these anthems anthems and they continue you know they continue to enormously significant powerful messages to to for both women and men and how we perceive and relate to each other and the you know, anthems that have helped women through the most difficult times. How many times have you heard a line that song when you're on your knees crying about something or you're in the shit and you kind of go, you know, and we can be afraid, can be all situations, be afraid and petrified. There's a, there's a great humility in the song, isn't it? There's a lovely honesty, you know. Um, so it's wonderful. It's, it's something beautiful in that, in those two songs around reclaiming power, reclaiming who women are, but without becoming cunts, basically, if you don't mind me saying. And they didn't. Yeah, like with every kind of thing, there would be people who would misuse that and kind of go, oh, man, I passed store. But, you know, that's not helpful. We're not going down that. I'm talking about the genuine movement towards, I'm a human being. 
I have rights. There's a goodness in me. I don't deserve to be treated like that, you know. And I'm not going to anymore. I know I'm oversimplifying something, but come on. And these two women at the time, they probably still there, were iconic kind of sexy soul singers. They were big hits, you know. They weren't peddling in hatred of men. They were inclusive, inclusive of men, you know. Uh, and they were really empowering women to think for themselves, to realize that you're, you are powerful, you're, res you're resourceful, meaningful, and important in your own right. You're absolutely entitled to expect love, kindness, respect, equality, acknowledgement. Absolutely, you know. And I loved that about it, and I think I knew that about it, but I didn't know, I didn't have these words back then. But I saw that, and I used to hear the way Betty and our Sarah friend would say, if that song would come on, that. They didn't exactly dance, but they'd, they'd get quite animated about it, you know. And I saw that, and I saw the kind of the look changing, and the kind of pride in the eyes, and the kind of strength coming in. And of course I loved that, I thought, yeah, go for it, absolutely. I didn't quite understand why the male was being such a prick. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I do now, but I wasn't quite sure what was going on there, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that was a trip down the 70s. And again, because they were, they came out uh, so long ago, you know, well, nearly 50 years ago, you know, how evolved were those two songs and the impact they both have had. So thank you, Candy Stanton and Gloria Gaynor, you know. And I'm sure around the world, everywhere, that once that note, once they hear, you know, what's the sense in sharing, or first I was afraid, you'll hear wails of delight and women jumping up, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and the hands are up in the air always. It's a very powerful song. Long may it continue, I say. Long may it continue. Um, yes. I was thinking, you know, I mentioned the kind of, uh, you know, the dark tetrad that will come in and out of most of the podcasts, that kind of energy, and the connection between that kind of dark energy, that kind of uh, misogyny type of energy, you know. Now again, as males, we can be misogynistic by mistake, but it's not part of who we are. It's a conditioning thing. You know, I just want to name that again. And we have to work that out of ourselves and understand where it's not really what we believe. But some people get into that and it, they choose to be that way and they want to be that way. So they're into the, the dark tetrad space, you know. And I was talking about how that can kind of um, share a space with, I think I said, with the whole kind of far right, kind of fascistic, authoritarian, MAGA type of stuff they're quite similar because if you actually take a look at the MAGA movement and the, the, the Make America Great that's just Trump's gig right that's just across the world because as we said unfortunately there's a bit of a rise in the far right stuff going on around the world by its nature that's quite misogynistic you know it's quite it would not like Gloria Gaynor <laughs> they would you know would not like Candy Statton that they just why are they singing that? You know what I mean? It goes against their whole core beliefs. Uh, it's around having power over and one person having that power. In this instance, this fucking weird ginger, uh, orange, bizarre looking clown, right? Uh, Who ha could have such a dangerous influence on the world as it happens. Uh, should he come into power again? 
But I suppose that movement does not celebrate women. They would not be singing praise you and thinking about women, right? That movement is about oppression of everybody, but they certainly don't want women uh, equal at all, right? That is not in their agenda whatsoever. So that, that might be important because that also can influence at a kind of a, a zeitgeist, a paradigm level, what's coming into the systems, into the cultures, uh, there's that push against that. They they would be very much the woman stays at home. The man does, you know, that'd be very far right politics. They would not like. Uh, they don't like the powerful one. They'll, they'll they'll tolerate the occasional one like Thatcher, but even then they would deeply resent her. Do you know what I mean? And she had to become so awful to have that power, and I think she misused that power terribly. Uh, I think, um, you know, because the the. The mark of a respectful man or woman in power is how they use that power, isn't it? You know, but the far right, the MAGA movement, do not use power well at all if they have it. They, they, they're quite exploitative. They're just like a collective narcissist, basically. <laughs> That's what they are. You know, they got blah, blah, so on, so on, so on. But I, uh, as you know, age-wise, I'd have been a fan of Monty Python. And for any listeners that happen to be under 40, under 30, if you're, if you're there. Um, Monty Python's comedy is quite dated now. You know, there's been lots of uh, developments and evolve, evolve, evolution in comedy since then. But they were going since the mid-late 60s. And what they were doing then was so progressive, so way ahead of its time. Uh, it has to always get a mention because all of the best comedy as I said on a couple of podcasts, you'll ask them and they'll name Monty Python as, it's unusual for them not to name that as an influence. Monty Python, Spike Milligan, you know, people from the 60s. Um, and the famous Life of Brian film, which was a parody on the life of Christ, the, the right-wing people hate that film. Isn't that interesting? They fucking hate it. Uh, they can't stand it. They feel it, oh, they don't like that kind of comedy. There's a bit of a joke that, now I'm not just talking about mildly conservative, I'm talking about far right. They don't really have a sense of humor. They, they, they don't produce artists really. They don't, you know, because they're not really into people being educated. They're just like a small group having power over people. So anyone that starts to think for themselves, they find a threat. So that's why they seldom produce in good comedians, good writers, good films, or good music, right? Uh, I would think. But anyway, the film, The Life of Brian. So it was a kind of a parody on the life of Christ. Um, and I happen to think that God, Christ, has a sense of humor and would have loved The Life of Brian and would have thought, yeah, have a laugh, don't take it all too seriously. Because it was very clever. It was making some important political points at the time, you know. So they had Brian and his crew, they were the Judean Popular Front or the Popular Front of Judean. Judea, whichever one they were, right? So they were kind of pitching it, and it kind of probably was like this. They were a kind of a far left political group. And the Romans were like the far right kind of thing. Or the oppressors coming in. Da -da 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 -da. So these were they were freedom fighters. That was the kind of gig, you know, kind of thing. But one of the many famous uh, scenes in the life of Brian was where 
and John Cleese was at the, the head of it. That group was sitting around and they were having their meeting and it was all comrade, you know, it was all their real left wing type of job, right? And uh, John Cleese says, somebody, what did the Romans ever do for us? And you a little pause in your ear. Well, the aqueduct. Fair enough, they did give us the aqueduct, but apart from the aqueduct, what did the Romans ever do for us? Sanitation, education, and the list started to grow, right? Yeah, but apart from apart from sanitation and education, what did the Romans ever do for us? The roads, the roads are much better. And you hear them, yeah, they are much better. This is the Romans game. Right, so the list keeps going on, you know, and John Cleese's list is getting bigger. Yeah, but apart from the roads, education, you know, sewers, aqueduct, what did the Romans ever do for us? Well, the wine is much better. Yeah, apart from anything else, yeah, it's kind of safer in the streets. I know he's got this huge list. So in the, in the end, apart from all these things, what did the Romans ever do for us? So I was kind of playing with that in my mind. I was thinking, well, uh, if any of the kind of fascists got a little bit discouraged and someone said you know, they were having their meeting, well, what did MAGA ever do for us? Misogyny. They gave us misogyny. Hatred. Yeah, yeah. Homophobia. Xenophobia. Anti-Semitic. Yeah, but apart from misogyny, hatred, homophobia, anti-Semitism, what did MAGA ever do for us? You know what I mean? Um, casual violence when things don't go their way, like the results of an election, you know, maybe uh, insurrections, uh, gross hypocrisy, uh, you know, where accusations are confessions, mass gaslighting, maybe. Yeah, but apart from all that, you know, cult mentality, blind adoration to a kind of grotesque orange clown with a kind of a, a weird long tie and a nest on his head and a kind of a moronic personality behavior. <laughs> really you know uh malignant narcissism yeah but apart from all that what did they ever give us that was good fucking fascistic material so i was just imagining that kind of a conversation with a group of them you know so um they give you all those things and all those things to me would be anti-feminine they're very distorted masculine that's the point i want to get at they're not masculine traits but they would be Acknowledged as quite masculine. Hatred is generally seen as a masculine trait, isn't it? You know, if you think about it, misogyny obviously is. It's it's a hatred of women. You know, uh, xenophobia, hatred of other countries. You you usually tend to, for some reason in my psyche, it's a distorted male powerful image. Because who's pushing this shit? Men. Now there are women jump on the bandwagon, of course, but who? Look around the world. All the uh, fascist leaders. Trump and so on, they're all men. There's a couple of women coming in, as I said before, in Italy and France and so on. But it's primarily, it's male-driven. So that's my point. Uh, here is the kind of, the, the mass gaslight, the cult mentality, the blind adoration. It's all very distorted male energy. It's not celebratory of the female energy. If the world was to embrace the best of female energy, I think we'd be looking very, very different. I think we could leave our doors open. Uh, be a bit of gossip, <laughs> you get by that. I think it would be safe. I think uh, we could relax, you know? We could relax, we could breathe, we could have fun. And men could still be men, that's the thing. We don't, that's, you know, men think that dick's gonna fall off if they contemplate that. You know, we could still be men if we really celebrate the feminine. 
if we lean into that and kind of go, feminine is a powerful fucking energy. Look at the shit they've put up with for years and years and years, and they come back fighting. They keep getting up. They, you know, they've had oppression like no one's had oppression. Yeah, here they are, still talking, still looking to, still being here, still breathing, still, you know. So it's like there's it's as if the collective female energy saying, "Listen, fellas, we're still here, like, right? And at some point, you're going to see us as equal." And maybe you'll realize that your dick will not fall off. It's okay. You will not lose your masculinity if you actually defer to, lean in, and respect who we are. Just a thought. Just a thought. You know? Um, of course, I'm thinking of uh, John Lennon, woman, uh, from the Double Fantasy album, 1980. That's obviously primarily his relationship with the Oklahoma, which I think that was probably quite evolved for them too from the, the, the 70s, right? The other late 70s. Um, but the song goes, Woman, I can hardly express my mixed emotions at my thoughtlessness. After all, I'm forever in your debt. And woman, I will try to express my inner feeling and thankfulness for showing me the meaning of success. So again, there's a humble, there's an acknowledgement. Lennon is no pushover, right? You know, he writes these beautiful songs, but he's quite abrasive and harsh. He can be a cunt, you know what I mean? That's the, you, People have said that about him, as genius as he was. But of course, there's a beautiful, creative, magical part from when you look at his lyrics. And in his relationship, particularly with Yoko, I know she was a bit controversial, but it allowed him to embrace his maleness in a different way and soften to the female energy and see the strength in the female energy, you know. Um, he refers to the little child inside the man. So there's something really important about the, the paradox is if a man senses and feels his inner child is loved, adored, respected and safe. He can then embody his powerful adult male identity. Fair enough. Okay. Now if you flip that around, you could let's take a song by Bob Dylan, like Just Like a Woman. That works the other way around as well, because Bob Dylan from the album Blonde on Blonde, nineteen sixty six, he says she takes just like a woman. Yes, she does. She makes love just like a woman. Yes, she does. She aches just like a woman, but she breaks just like a little girl. There's the inner child from the feminine perspective. So if the woman senses and feels her inner child, the little girl in horror is loved, safe, respected, adored, uh, cared for, nurtured, she can then engage in her wonderful adult, feminine, powerful, woman you know walks that way around as well so yes what did MAGA ever do for us <laughs> what did the Ramwoods ever do for us so you could say I would dare to say I don't even know if it's a dare really maybe it is that Narcissistic, narcissistic energy, I mean, at its core, I don't just mean a few traits, I mean at a real core. Of course, women can be that, but I think it comes from a distorted male energy. 
I do think it has its roots in insecure male, you know, and I think then the insecure male in the female, if she can, someone's going to take that on. I think in the, if you think that males have dominated the, again, that word, the zeitgeist, the kind of, the, the, the way things are, the way society sees things for so long, narcissism has grown out of that, you know, of course, narcissist was a male. Uh, Narcissus was a male in Greek mythology. You know? So I often wonder if if females end up seriously narcissistic, is that a reaction to, you know, they've got to take ownership of that, don't get me wrong. Is that a reaction to, you know, maybe multifaceted, you know, uh, transgenerational male narcissistic societies? I don't know. I don't know. But it does feel to me that the worst of narcissism, well, there's no best of narcissism, here's the best of narcissism, the worst of narcissistic behavior thinking does really feel like a distorted male energy. Some, because let's think, what's at the core of narcissism? Dreadful insecurity. What's at the core of distorted male energy? Dreadful insecurity, right? That kind of flips then into this domineering kind of uh, power over, um, oppressive, repressive, abusive kind of energy, because there's a deep terror of vulnerability. So, which again is the core of narcissism. So I just want to put them side by side. And again, I'm not saying that males have the monopoly on being malignantly narcissistic. What I'm saying is, I think its origins is in the distorted male perception of how to be in the world, right? Because you get all the lying, because because the, the whole name of the game is to stay away, don't pull back the curtain, don't see that I'm really really vulnerable and that I I feel pathetic and I feel scared. There's nothing wrong with those things. That's the problem. The person perceiving, the male perceiving, there's something wrong with that. Then he, I'm speaking collectively, isn't able to lean into and appreciate and love the power and the magic and the mystery of the feminine. You know. Because I think, like, what's the title of the last one? I'm afraid of, I was using, yeah, I'm afraid of the way I love you. You know, most men I know, I say, you know, I get afraid of that, but I'm not afraid of being afraid. I don't react to it. It's kind of like, I take it as part of the, like, the mystery. It's like, whoa, and this is powerful, isn't it? You know, but it can feel quite disconcerting to feel that, ooh, you know, and then you don't know why does the other person feel the same, and then does it really matter? It, it helps if they do, but, you know, uh, so, that's what I'm really saying to you. I'm kind of linking in my observations around uh, dark tetrad behavior, like you know, narcissism, Machiavellianism, sociopathy, psychopathy, those kind of traits, the dark stuff that I think originated in the male. But I don't think it's naturally male. I think it's a distorted male. And I think it's just grown tentacles then as males had, I, I, my history isn't great, whenever that power began to bed in, that distorted sense of power, I think it kind of laid the seeds for narcissism to really just grow. And the result of it, you get those clowns like Trump, you know. 
Um, I know it's a bit more complicated than all of that, but I suppose energy-wise, narcissism is definitely male. It can be expressed by a female, but I think its origins is male. You know, yin and yang. If you look at those energies, the male and the female, the give and the receive, you know. Um, women, now I'm, I'm generalizing, which is not always the cleverest thing to do. I think, are generally stronger than men not physically but they can be I've met some that are they didn't fucking knock you but generally not physically spiritually psychologically emotionally in terms of their endurance even joking wise like we get a few sniffles and oh I'm out you know <laughs> where women have had to push on because maybe they've got children or they just push on and that's not always healthy either but their tolerance seems to be better. Their capacity to uh, embrace uh, a broader spectrum of things tends to be better. I'm generalizing, of course, generalizing. I think they are probably more evolved. I think that evolvement, evolvement, evolution has been stunted usually by males being threatened by that. Maybe I'll put it that way and jamming that up a little bit because we feel all like, oh, my underbelly, ah, yeah, powerful. You know, there might be, I guess it's a bit Freudian, maybe there's the fear that the woman's going to devour me, you know, and all of that stuff, I'm going to be really hurt by you, and that might have some childhood, you know, mother-son stuff to it. So there's lots of elements to this, you know, whatever way you want to look at it. Okay. I was thinking of also, oh yeah, because I was, uh, lovely songs, and I was thinking of Liverpool, because I was watching Liverpool, uh, and Trent Alexander-Arnold scoring two goals, he's a local, he's a Liverpool lad, and the wonderful band, the lads, the lads who are from Liverpool, and the term la is abbreviation for the lads, I like that, uh, that's boss lad, um, and their beautiful song, they they broke up, then became cast with their lovely song. You probably all know it. There she goes, there she goes again. That captures for me even just those lines, just the mystery of the way men see women. There she goes, there she goes again. Listen to the song, you'll you'll catch her, because that kind of inexplicable, mysterious sensation, energy that I certainly feel, I'm sure I know other men feel, in and around women. It's just fucking delightful. You know? And the, the safer men feel, the more they can appreciate and celebrate that, whether that's mothers, lovers. Now, we could have a terrible relationship with the mother. Yes, you may have a difficult relationship with a woman and you may have been very hurt by a woman that may have been your mom. So it may, it's important, you may not feel like celebrating them and I totally get that. I suppose I'm speaking collectively of the woman's soul uh, energetically. Uh, Mother Earth, think about that. It's not Father Earth, it's Mother Earth, isn't it? So what is that energy? Nurturing, powerful, warm, loving, sexy, strong, caring there's so much more isn't there so yes of course there may be individual females who have behaved really badly 
so I want to acknowledge that so I don't sound unrealistic you know um, I'm speaking about the the female collective female energy I suppose is the best way to put it that women at their best when they're safe when they're free to be themselves wow yeah, well, that's a little kid or a woman in her 80s when they're in full flow. There's nothing like them, is there? Guys, there's fucking nothing like Where would we be with, you know, literally without them, apart from the obvious? But like, you know. So I suppose I want to finish with the term celebrate again. And, I, you know, and it's a paradox because if I celebrate the female, then I automatically I'll celebrate the male. You know, let's celebrate the female energy. Let's not push against it. Let's not oppress it. If we don't understand it or it threatens us, let's breathe and try and understand what it is. Get to know it. You know, I think most women, unless they've got some kind of disordered shit going on, right? As men can have. Most women will meet you beautifully in that space, whether they're your friend, your lover, your sister, your whoever, your colleague. It's a wonderful energy to be in, you know. I really enjoy it. I was doing supervision with a couple. I yeah, it was a Friday. I had two women Friday morning and two women in a little small group. I just love the energy of it, you know. I love doing men's groups also. So I love that energy, but I just particular something about the flavor of that energy. I love and the discussion and the way it goes and how people talk and all that type of stuff. So it's not only the words, it's the feeling in it that I love, how I feel in it, the way women move and laugh and talk and the way they angle and they go, oh yeah, I never thought of it that way. You know, all those, all that type of stuff. You know, so I'd like to praise you and me, so I don't mean that in a patronizing way, uh, hold you in esteem, hold you in safety, in love, in mystery, to in wonder, in awe, you know, it could be argument with one of you tomorrow saying, fuck them women anyway, <laughs> what was I talking about? But you know, that that's just life. That doesn't mean anything. I, I probably won't, but you know what I mean? Do, do I disagree with women? Yeah. Do I, have I been hurt by women like everyone? Yeah, of course. Have I hurt women? Yes, I regret I have. You know, so I'm not trying to pretend here. But uh, by and large, I, I just think they're an extraordinary gender. You know, and I think most men, when we feel really safe and okay, feel kind of similar. It's like, wow, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Whether we're thinking of our mas or our sisters or our partners or it doesn't matter, you know, or it doesn't matter who. Just looking at them, listening to them, engaging with them, observing, uh, interacting, uh, seeing the result of their nurture, care, power, decisions, uh, creativity, uh, industrious nature, whatever it might be, you know. So, just to finish off, hats off to the women. Um, I really do want to celebrate you and thank you for being the mysterious, powerful, sometimes oh my god but wonderful uh, 
uh, I would say race of people, you're not a race. <laughs> Species is probably a term, isn't it? Is that the right term? Uh, who I know as well, you know, with, uh, I, I can also relate to because in every man is the feminine and every woman is the masculine. So I, I can get that, you know. But I love leaning into what's really feminine about the woman uh, and what's really masculine about the man. It's them, them meeting somewhere, you know, meeting somehow. So I hope I've done that a little bit of justice. I hope it hasn't been, you know, too patronizing in any way. Because I was a bit afraid that I want to celebrate women, you know. But I was celebrating men last week, so I thought, okay, let's let's celebrate women, you know. Let's... Uh, marvel at the wonder of these gorgeous fucking women in our lives right i'll leave you there oh good news i'm interviewing mary c lynch again for part two could be part three as well but i'll be interviewing mary hopefully saturday and that'll be next week's after this one thank you for listening both men and women we'll talk with you soon all right bye-bye You've been listening to the Twilight Conversations. If you'd like to contact me about the content or any question or comment you have about the podcast, you can do so on the Twilight Conversations at gmail.com. So, the Twilight Conversations is an independent production. If you'd like to contribute towards the making of the podcast, you can do so on patreon.com forward slash the Twilight Conversations. <laughs>